Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well met, fellow adventurers. Time to continue reading through the law book got a long way to go. The next one is Dreadmask, the legendary warrior and adventurer known as Dreadmask. Obtained his rather sinister moniker as a result of the fear-inspiring iron-banded wooden mask he wore. His real name is not known. Much of Dreadmask's magnificent equipment was marked with strange symbols possibly goblin in origin, leading to speculation that the masked adventure was actually a very large goblin who cleverly concealed his true identity from the human world. Most now believe Dreadmask was a human, but that he hid himself either to disguise a disfigurement or maintain his anonymity. To at last spent much of his adventuring career hunting down troll ogres, trolls, dragons and the undead. The many legends that recount his grand adventures rarely speak of any companions, though a brief mention is made for a woman in Talalus by the name of Julunina, to whom the masked warrior is said to have pledged his love. Dreadmask suddenly and inexplicably disappeared nearly 500 years ago, while on an expedition to find a dragon's lair somewhere in the Olspun Mountains. Well, we had a little adventure with him, or at least the legend of him. Dream summons. Oh, oh, that's another one he didn't make. Maybe I'll tell him that about that. Maybe it's a future thing. Draw lock. Strange. As legend has it, the immortal, impossibly strange Drawlerock, being with no discernible physical form, resides in a black stone tower that floats above the sea of snakes in the neverall realm of Karl Jorwak. Some believe Dorlak has, at certain times, taken interest in the world of Swift, going as far 
to travel throughout the mortal realms in the guise of a human. It was also believed that during these proposed excursions, Dorlock may have lost or purposely discarded several items of immense power. A few of the legends concerning Dorlock state the strange immortal being has long despised and been at odds with another immortal, the mighty and fearsome Woundskin. Well, let's just hope we I can team up with with it, I guess. I guess it? Them? Honestly, it doesn't say what pronouns to use. I'll ask him. If I meet him, I'll ask. I know we can team up with Dorlock. Um, help take down Woundskin. Because he does. He certainly needs taking down. Next is Dogmuthal. Hailing from a shadowy realm in the deepest reaches of Lenevinus, the Demon Lord, through some accounts simply referred to him as an entity, Jomgorthal, is said to reside in a windowless tower that rises out of the heart of a nightmarish swamp known as the Waking Mire. Tales abound of Dragmorthal's interference in the affairs of Swift's adventurers. By most accounts, he, appear, he appears to adventurers in the form of a ghostly figure to offer them his help and guidance, while the true intentions of the powerful entity known as Dragmorthal may never be ascertained. Those who have encountered him believe that despite what he professes, his intentions are largely sinister in nature. Yep, yep, uh, I believe that. Alright, and the, ne the next one is Junquin. Junquin. These large, frosty-scaled serpents roam the frozen waste of Arkandar in search of prey, which is then incapacitated with their deadly venom before being promptly devoured. Junquin are witch in a thick, dark oil that helps protect them from the deadly cold. This oil which has uses ranging from lamp fuel to lubrication, have become highly sought after over the past several centuries and remains the chief commodity exported from the icy realm of Arkandar. Jukurin hunting is a lucrative but extremely perilous endeavour that has attracted many adventurers to the fabled north and claimed the lives of a good number of them. Nearly all of the Jukurin slain by hunters end up in Wymhaft, where the remains are dressed and their flesh boiled to extract its precious oil. Dunsig. Well, we've been there a few times. Dunsig is a small village, typical of most remote settlements in western Tysa. Dunsig is the home of Talaro, a young silver-haired woman who makes and sells magical elixirs. Her elixirs are prized by adventurers who travel from all corners of the well to obtain them. Which we've done too. Dusk dragons. Though by no means common, the dust dragon is perhaps the most prevalent of Swift's drilling, dwindling dragon population. These majestic creatures usually inhabit remote woodland areas 
and have been known to employ the services of forest trolls, or ogres to do their bidding. It is more often that of partnership forged out of fear on the behalf of the dragon's hirelings. Dust dragons are so named because of their dark grey scales that make them difficult to spot in the dark. The reclusive forest reptiles are ill-tempered and detest most other beings. Usually only emerge from their hidden lairs at night, when they fly above the domain seeking out prey or inspecting the lay of the land. Like most of their kin, dust dragons possess a powerful breath of fire that they will not hesitate to use if needed. Perhaps the only living creature an adult dust dragon, and most other dragons for that matter, fear. It's a full-grown griffin. One of the largest and most powerful dust dragons in recent memory was a particularly wicked beast known as Kranzal. Despite his formidable power, the ancient dust dragon reportedly met his end at the hands of Hornley Jack. Another infamous dust dragon, known as Nebrin, was responsible for the raising of Gravel over 400 years ago. Alright, and that's all the D's completed. Now on to E's, Earth Lord. These massive earth elementals are made primarily out of stone. Unlike many elementals, they are extremely aggressive. Ebmark. The small town of Ebmark, situated on the southern shore of Lake Ebrek, is famous for its flourishing fishing trade. Ebmark's bountiful catch includes the famous blue sawfin. Many of the town's residents believe that an ancient serpent, known in, le- in legend as the Beast of Ebmark, makes its home in the deep waters of Lake Ebrek. Elkin a legendary huntsman who once single-handedly slew the great dragon Ijordan. Ilkrid is perhaps most famous, however, for his pursuit of a great but elusive stag, which is said to have consumed an entire half of his life. You can read more about Ilkrid's stag if you wish, and I'm just about to, because it just happens to be the next entry in the list, Ilkrid's stag. This legendary beast is said to have whelmed the, f- the forest of Tysa for over a thousand years. The majestic creature is said to have been hunted by the likewise legendary huntsman Elkin. Many hunters have claimed to have seen Elkin stag over the years, though many considered the sightings to be more, nothing more than fabrications. The stories have all contained remarkable similarities. The stag is described as an almost horse-sized creature with a great whack of antlers stretching several feet in length with a silver sheen about its torso. Some of the accounts say the ghost-like image of a hunter, possibly that of Elkin himself, often passes through shortly after the stag. Right, so is the stag immortal? Is there is there like a whole species of them? Are people making stuff up? Does the does the stag just reincarnate? 
Who knows? And it might all... Well, it's all a story. But it might also be a story in the context of the narrative as well. Elm Knoll. Situated on the southern edge of the Hart Hills. The ruined village of Elm Knoll was long ago abandoned. Following the slaughter of its citizens, along with a regiment of Tyson soldiers, at the hands of Woundskin and a small army of mountain goblins. Few indeed are the brave souls who dare to tread what now is now believed to be haunted ground. Zoop is amongst those. Embro. Embro. The legendary hero, adventurer, and warrior known as Embro is known to have wielded an enchanted axe capable of bathing his enemies in a deadly sea of flame. Among Embro's lauded feats are the recovery of the Dial of Days, the slaying of the great dragon Dumiwick, and the discovery of the caverns of Holdwraith. Embro is remembered not only for his illustrious deeds, but also for his fierceness in battle, as, as well as what some have called a mythical fortitude. Elzorath Warfoot Many legends, most of them, most of which have been discounted by the historical record, surround the life of the famed explorer and hunter and fur trader is Enzorath Warfoot, though he died over 500 years ago. His list of supposed discoveries and accomplishments is indeed not not only both long and illustrious, but also somewhat dubious. Through his many endeavours, Azorath Warfoot left his mark across a broad swath of the North Broadlands. He is credited with founding several towns and villages in the Grey Warren region of eastern Telsa, one of which, the village of Warfoot, still bears his name. Ezorok. Little is known about this powerful and evil elemental being, but those scholars able to decipher the ancient texts that, that, mention, that bear mention of his name are inclined to believe that his power rivals that of a lesser deity. Ezawak is a being of flame that most commonly appears in a vaguely humanoid form. Designs, though undoubtedly wicked in nature, are unknown. Now, Ezawak used to be someone you could meet in the game. If you, you while wandering the realms at Wandon, you could come across uh, a fireplace. And if you performed a certain ritual, you could summon him. Uh, well, you could fight him, but you could also agree to become his to become his servant and minion. In which case, you're I think you get a cool sword or power up or something. But also, you turn evil, as in your alignment switches. To dynamic, dynamic or something like whatever the lowest level is. Yes, admittedly, alignment means pretty much nothing in this game. 
because uh, you can do whatever you want anyway, and no one acts any differently, depending on your alignment, and most of the things you do have no effect on your alignment. Honestly, I think it was just in because D&D has alignment, and it really never... Um, and I think a lot of campaigns it wasn't used that much other than an excuse for player characters to be really stupid. Oh, I'm chaotic, so I don't have to make sense. I'm lawful, so I can just uh, be stupid. I'm evil, so I can be stupid. I'm neutral. So I have to be equal amounts of stupid on all sides. Admittedly, I've never played it, but that's what I've never played in D. But that's what I've heard. Now on to the Fs. Fang Witch. Large stone obelisks, each bearing countless engravings that are of ancient Ardivarian origin, lie in the back of the steep, rookie wood-lined witch south of Trithig giving rise to the spot's eerie moniker, Fang Ridge. Despite its relative proximity to the Witherport, Fang Ridge rises out of a tangle of dense forest and is not a place frequented by any, save the occasional huntsman. Several legends allude to a great battle once fought at the foot of the woodland ridge between an army of goblins and a much smaller force of men. Well, that is how these battles tend to go. What with goblins having a rule of, if we don't outnumber them by a huge amount, don't attack. And if one of those people is Zoop, just don't attack ever. They should have learnt that, but they haven't learnt that yet. Far Wither. The remote settlement of Far Wither situated on Tysa's eastern frontier, was destroyed by a band of marauding cave goblins several years ago. The goblins that wazed far with her, killing nearly all of its residents, were later hunted down and slain by a group of Tysian border rangers, working alongside the troll hunter and his band of rugged huntsmen. Huh? That's another one, old, another time old Jewig helped out. Yes, even though it was goblins, not trolls. But you know, sometimes you just gotta settle for goblin work. The attack on Farwither has continued to serve as a fresh reminder to those across the North Broadlands of the deadly, ever-present peril that haunts the untamed wilds of the world. Fierce Spitten Wokrip. The vicious pair of immortal cave goblins are in the service of Woundskin, though often appear in advance of their master's arrival, serving to ensure that the immortal ogre receives a fitting welcome for his arrival on Swift. The full names of these savage boots, as described to them, described to them as ascribed to them by those who have witnessed their destruction and cruelty, are Fear Spit the Savage and Watquip the Executioner. 
Alright, yeah, we well, we fought them. Obviously, we haven't killed them because of the whole immortal thing. But if they hadn't been immortal, we would have killed them. Well, I wonder what happened to them. When we, what they're doing now that Woundskins come back. Are, are, they, are they still in Woundskins' employ? Are they perhaps terrorising another world? Are they on sabbatical? They're taking a vacation. Have they been demoted to some humiliating duty? Who knows? Who knows? Maybe they've even failed him for the last time and have been eliminated. Yeah. Uh, well, we don't don't know if Woonskip does that with his immortal servants. After all, when someone's immortal, you can be so much more cruel. Fedorin Brown Bear. These large honorables get their name for the region of Tulsa they are common to. Although they can be found throughout the North Broadlands, they are most often located in and around the Fedorin Mountain range, mountains of western Tulsa. These bears are extremely powerful creatures and have been known to attack humans without provocation. They rely mostly on their sense of smell to locate prey. If you have not been spotted, the best defence is to remain still until the bear passes. Or be a famous adventurer who can survive anything. But immediately that, that defence isn't available to most. Fedorin Range. This large chain of mountains runs from the realm of Nardor in the north to the forest, to the Zardin Forest in the south. The southern regions of the range include the Arm of Meltor, which features several towering peaks. Yeah, because I like, I think, like most fantasy kingdoms turn out to be, Tysa is pretty much, on land, is pretty much all surrounded by mountains. That's just, that's just how it ends up. Fantasy. I don't know why they do that. Probably just so they can just say, oh, make a convene. Decide where to put a border without having to, you know, make up about 50 wars. Which, obviously, you don't want to do that. If you want to have, you know, fantasy battles, just, oh, and then they had another war. And another war, and then they had a third war that moved the line three inches to the left. But they counteracted and moved the line six inches to the right. But then they counteracted and moved the line back to where it was. At the end of these these three wars, 300,000 people were dead. And the line hadn't moved at all. And they're also, because everyone was, you know, fighting rather than farming, there was a famine. Yeah, that, that would be a lot of fun. So I guess that might be one reason they just put mountains on the border of everything. And it might be because of Tolkien. Because, I mean, he had... I mean, he, he had a big mountain range between Eredor and Wolverine. 
even though those are kingdoms that mean nothing in the modern age. Could be that, could be that. Well, if you're a fantasy author, maybe you could give some theories. Alright, Fire Wish. Fire Wish is a term used to describe the practice by which the fire breath of an ancient dragon is used to augment the magical properties of enchanted items, particularly weapons and armour. The process of bestowing a fire wish upon an object involves an ancient living dragon unleashing the full power of its breath weapon upon the item no less than three times in quick succession. Now, I just hope that dragon's a friend, because otherwise that's crazy dangerous. Items that have received fire wishes are indeed rare, as there are no longer many dragons capable of, or willing to, bestow such an invaluable gift. <laughs> willing to, that, that implies that a lot of them were... You know, granted willingly by, I don't know, someone who helped a dragon, maybe finding their egg or or helping recover the dragon gems of their their past relatives passed on. Hmm. Eh, well, maybe, maybe. But I don't think the sea dragon I helped can do, can breathe fire, so... Or can it? Oh, I don't know. Oh, well, we'll find out when we get to the Sea Dragon list. Alright, go back. After Fire Whist is Fire Steed. After the horse-like creature of never origin, the Fire Steed has the torso and forelegs of a powerful riding horse, while its rear legs are enveloped in a perpetual inferno of bright orange flame. The only way these creatures can enter swift is through an open shadow path. Fog rats. These large, dog-sized, and extremely vicious rodents are only found in and about Fogmore Forest. Fog bats. Fog rats, named after the misty environment in which they seem to thrive, are normally encountered in large, roaming packs. They've been known to swarm and take down much larger creatures unfortunate enough to cross their path. Fogbar, a forest of mist. Fogbar refers to a large area of forest that stretches from the western banks of the Wither Twind, just southwest of the city of Twithick, in Tysa to the base of the Fodoin Fodoin Mount foothills. Long ago, as the age of Alderaan was dawning, a powerful sorcerer named, named Ragnar built a tower in the middle of the forest that served as a place of learning for aspiring spellcasters from across the realms. Alas, Ragnar's thirst for power was unquenchable, as he, and as he reached limits of his own magical ability, he sought out ways to increase his already formidable arcane might. To this end, Ragnar managed to secretly open a shadow path, which allowed him passage between the world of Swift and the nightmarish realm of the Neverness. His journeys into the Neverness brought him new knowledge and a new, dark and terrible power. The endeavour, however, slowly drove him mad. 
Wachnar became distrustful of people, especially other mages, as he sought to protect the shadow path he had created, lest other mages discover and use his portal. He became increasingly reclusive, and abandoned his te teachings, and forbade others to trespass in the forest in which his tower sat. As his madness grew, he used his newly acquired dark arts to construct a fiendish labyrinth that would keep his secrets safe forever. Well, we've definitely been there. The labyrinth was a complex maze, many levels deep, outfitted with fiendish traps and powerful guardians of the sorcerer's own design, all to protect the shadow path that lay hidden in the darkest of the maze's twisting depths. In what was perhaps his final act of madness, Wagner used his sorceress's might to place a curse upon the forest in an attempt to conceal his labyrinth and the secret that lay within. The curse changed the very nature of the forest itself. The trees became twickly, sickly and dark, and a thick blanket of fog descended upon the forest became an altogether unwholesome place, and was shunned by all but a few brave local huntsmen who still sought game on its borders. Wagner eventually disappeared, and some say he became forever lost in his own diabolical labyrinth, unable to escape the very wickedness his labyrinth had created, his magic had created. Others say that a powerful evil entered swift the shadow gate he opened and consumed him. Over a thousand years have passed since Wagner's disappearance, and few and because few will dare venture into Fogwar, little is known about his tower or the labyrinth. Many a traveller has journeyed into Fogwar, never to return. Others have returned with eerie tales about dark creatures lurking in the mist of the forest. Many believe those who have disappeared in Fogbra over the centuries now roam the cursed wood as the living dead. Fogbra remains a place that is commonly avoided by all. Even the few bold huntsmen who once found an abundance of game just inside the forest edge, have abandoned the wood for friendlier hunting grounds. The most direct way to get to the cursed forest is to cross the Wither Twins southwest of Twithick. However, few boatmen are willing to brave the opposite shore of the Wither, so close to the forest. Alright, footings. The Footings is the name given to the ruins of an ancient temple in the forest north of the city of Talinus. The temple, built in honour of Swithak, was destroyed in a goblin raid over a thousand years ago. All that remains today of the temple are the, sh are the shattered remnants of, of its once mighty columns and the massive stone footings upon which structure rested. Thus, over the centuries, the ruins have become known to, to the local inhabitants as the Footings. Forest Lord. 
described by those who claim to have seen him as a tall man with green skin, clad in a suit of leaves with a long beard of moss. The Forest Lord is a mixture, fixture in the local folklore of Dragonwath and the surrounding region. By most accounts, the Forest Lord is a benign figure who protects and nurtures the woodlands and their inhabitants. However, several supposed encounters of the Forest Lord over the course of the past last century describe a dangerous and powerful being with an intense hatred of humankind. Loric Thumbrek, Dragon Wrath's protector, recently reported sighting the Forest Lord while hunting in the woods east of town. Many in Dragonwrath, including Loric's brother Denuric, remain sceptical of its claim. Forest Worm These large grey worms can be found in, in areas of remote wilderness where they feed voraciously on any, anything unlucky enough to cross their path. Fort Ironwind The origin of the ancient fortress of Ironwind, perched on the treacherous snow-laden upper reaches of Mount Caragon, is shrouded in mystery. The fort, a grim stone structure, Overlooking one of the highest passes in all of the Osborne Mountains. It's believed to be well over a thousand year, years old. For who it is that constructed it and for what purpose remains unknown. Breaching the fort is no easy peak. Apart from the deadly perils associated with the harsh, wintry, unforgiving weather that assails Carrigan's Peak. The narrow spine of ledge that once led to the foot of the hurt fort's foot's perch long ago crumbled away. Freeland. Freeland refers to any land decreed by Telsa's king to be available for use by all of the kingdom's citizenry. Usually, this designation is used to allow hunting, woodcutting, and stone excavation in remote or forested areas. Land that is not open for free use by all is known as crown land. I wonder, is there anything, any other designation, though? You know, for owned by someone that isn't the king, or someone correctly appointed by him? Who knows? Who knows? Frosthulk. These fearsome venomous, now a rare sight, even the most remote and frigid corners of the world, are among the most powerful, cre- powerful creatures known to man. Roughly three to four times the size of a large org. Ogre, these leathery grey... Their leathery grey skin covered with ragged tufts of thick white fur. The muscle-laden frost holes possess unimaginable physical might. It is said that a single blow from one of these boots is enough to incapacitate and kill most enemies. Five large angled spikes of bone, each coated in a thin layer of frost, 
protrude from the back of the frost hulk. Long, long stone-hard claws extend from the extend from the tips of the beast's massive fingers. The face of the frost hulk is is somewhat troll-like in appearance, though its double rows of razor-sharp teeth and massive jaws lend the creature a much more fearsome appearance. Frost hulks, solitary creatures by nature, live in only the coldest of climes. There, when not sleeping, can sometimes slumber for up to a week. They spend their time hunting for food. Some of their favourite prey includes bears, giants, and dragons. Frost hawks will usually take up residence in a cave or similar abode. While it is unknown how it came to be, it's not uncommon to find creatures of ice, or manner of creatures, guarding the lair of frost hawk. Some believe that the frost hawks possess an innate ability to wield a primal form of elemental magic, which they use to summon and retain various forms of ice elementals. Frost arm. Very little is known about the elementalists known only as Frostarm. What is known in the city lived over a thousand years ago, hailed from Fyodon, but spent the latter half of his life in the southern reaches of Tyrsa. There, in Fainvale, in the company of several other powerful spellcasters, devoting himself to the enchanting of items that he bestowed upon worthy adventurers and monster slayers. Of all the items that bore his mighty enchantments, the frigid star items are said to be being the most powerful. These items each bear one or more stars sculpted out of enchanted ice. The stars are come to be known the Frost Arms Mark or the Frigid Star. It is rumoured that Tallies may have come into possession of several items bearing Frostar's frigid star. Because of course they have. He's found everything. Honestly, it's a wonder it's a wonder I don't just I don't just across my adventures come across a note saying there once was there was a really cool sword here once, but Tally's uh, but Tally's was here. So I took it. Uh, here, here uh, have some ATs as compensation. Frostheart. The deadly affliction known as Frostheart. Something that seems to affect only those who, who spend prolonged periods in extremely cold climates. Frostheart begins as a mild cough normally results in a horrid and painful death within a couple of weeks. An icy chill in one's chest is a common symptom for anyone afflicted with this ailment, which gave rise to its name. Frostlings. Though seldom seen these days, even by those adventurers, bold enough to brave the frozen peaks of the Fedwin range, these intelligent but savage beings of ice covered stone still guard their ancient mountain top domains. 
Some of the legends surrounding these strange human-sized beings claim that the Frostings were, in fact, once human. These legends further suggest that a powerful curse was placed upon them, turning them into beings of stone and covering them in a thick layer of frost and ice. Other legends say that Frostlings are little more than an ancient race of earth elementals who, for reasons unknown, chose to dwell in remote, frigid, inhospitable regions. Regardless of their origin, Frostlings are known to be both savage and cruel. There have been many reports of Frostlings capturing and imprisoning adventurers who encroach upon their snowy domains. Frostlings live in large groups, sometimes numbering a couple of hundred. These groups, known as clans, are usually led by a powerful Frostling, who is believed to possess the ability to channel and wield elemental magic. Frostlings are known to craft items out of ice. These items are often imbued with their own elemental magic. Oh, I've not encountered any of these. Maybe they're in a seasonal adventure a while back. Frostmark. Frostmark is, is the name given to a raised mark in enchanted ice that typically found adorning a a weapon or a piece of armour. These marks are normally in the shape of some creature. Through frost marks in the shape of non-living objects have also been reported. It's really believed that frost marks are used as a means of bestowing enchantment upon an item. When other means of enchanting said item are either not possible or too difficult. Only an extremely powerful elementalist well-versed in the realm of Arcania, could create and attach a Frostmark. Galarin. Galarin is a large seaport on the western coast of Phaedon. The bulk of the Phaedonese naval fleet is harboured here, ready to take to the open seas at a moment's notice and defend the people of the North Broadland's oldest kingdom. Galarian is somewhat notorious for its connection to a secretive and violent group of Philodelese separatists known as the Galarian Forge. Galarian remains the place where many southbound ships stop to, to restock provisions and make repairs before voyaging across the treacherous waters of the Aldevarian Ocean. Okay, I've looked at a map and Phaedron's in the northwestern part of the continent. So you can go south along the western side of it to reach, well, a lot of places. Some of which I don't think anyone knows what they are. Maybe, maybe not even the GM himself. Okay, next entry. Galarian Forge. The Galarian Forge is a secretive and historically violent separatist movement within the kingdom of Philadon that seeks to revert the nation to its ancient council form of government. Many consider this group to be nothing more than thugs, thieves and murderers. It is commonly believed that the Galarian Forge is responsible for several failed assassination attempts 
against Queen Larion Chevan, Feliodon's ruling monarch. Though the group is said to have originally hailed from the poor city of Galarin, they are believed to have several secretive bases of operation throughout the kingdom. Glenora The short, well-toned and down-faced Glenora is the wife of Goodsmill, the keeper of the Goblin Claw Inn. In recent years, she has not often been seen in the inn. Glathrin the Great. Oh, we've raided his tomb, and we saw him. A master elementalist from an age now relegated to the dusty pages of ancient histories, Gathrin has assumed a legendary status, not only because of his profound skill with elemental magic, because it is believed he once possessed all three of the fabled dreadstones. The later years of his life are shrouded in mystery, and the few details of them to be found. Even among the ancient histories, the location of his lair, a place where he long studied and perfected the mastery of the elemental arts, has remained a topic of great speculation, particularly among adventurers, who believe that one or more of the dreadstones may lie in wait for he who is fortunate enough and brave enough to find it. Gated Legion The Gated Legion is one of the three knightly orders of the city of Selavin in Dwarosal. This knightly order is more concerned with battle and the art of war than the other two orders. The two believes that, go- that govern this knightly order are honour and courage. Gathering of Blades. This historic meeting saw the leaders of three powerful warring factions come together at High Esker, along the Tysian and Horangian border, to hammer out a binding agreement that would lead to more than three centuries of peace across north, across much of the North Broadlands. The legendary adventurer Grey Wolf of Seer was instrumental in gaining the trust of each participating group and successfully orchestrating what many consider to be a fool's errand after nearly a month of negotiations. The goblin armies of the south, the humans of the north and west and the giants of the east agreed to a lasting peace an immediate end to the violence that roiled the realms for nearly half an age. For the gathering of blades took place over 500 years ago, it is still referenced to this day, and set a powerful precedent for diplomacy between the various races and nations that occupy the North Broadlands. Well, considering all the goblins I'm fighting... Perhaps we need another one of those. Although admittedly that means the goblins have to form into some sort of coalition where you can actually negotiate with them without having to gather together about 5,000 different chieftains who will probably... who will just 
spend most of their time arguing amongst themselves, probably saying, no, I'm the leader, 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 and you're dead. I'm not dead. Yes, you are. Your head's been chopped off. Oh, it has. That's a pity. General Tarquin. The much lauded General Tarquin is among Tysa's most illustrious military figures. The white bearded war master, those many conquests in the name of the Tyson crown, earned him high praise, was chosen to command the retaking of Sargard Island, despite several notable victories against the goblins and trolls that dominate the legendary isle. His position as commander of the Tyson forces on Sargard has been assumed by Thane Mazenbach. Tarakin, now nearly 70 years old, has since laid down his sword and returned to the small village of Stillwind, where he was born and raised. Grexawog. Grexawog, also known as Destroyer Crabs, are large land-based crabs that are roughly the size of a half-grown dragon. These powerful and aggressive creatures are extremely dangerous and have been known to destroy, hence their name, entire villages while searching for food, which unfortunately includes humans. And apparently, if Zurim's any, any guide, they're also delicious if you cook them correctly. But of course, getting them's quite a big, quite tough, because they're enormous, they're armoured, they've got pincers, and they're very, very angry, and very, very strong, and they don't want to be eaten, which is a pretty universal thing. Yes. Gorlin Thin. The mighty demoness Gorlin Thin is said to be one of the four greater demons that directly serve the demon lord Jaloth. Alright, I think it's two of them we've seen so far. Gorward. A Gorward is a name given to a stone specifically imbued with magic to deter undead normally non-corporeal evil spirits, from leaving their place of haunting. A gore ward is normally a broad flat stone, inscribed with a series of cryptic wounds. The effectiveness of gore wards has long been a subject of debate in the magic-using community. Nevertheless, the appearance of a gore ward should serve as a stark warning to even the boldest of adventurers. Proceed. With caution. Giant Badger. These creatures are the size of a small bear and have a rather nasty disposition. Uh, at least they weren't giant honey badgers because then they'd have an incredibly nasty disposition. Gibman. This tall, thin, unpleasant young man is the son of Gutsmill and Glenora by his own account and those of his parents. 
he is an accomplished adventurer. Okay, admittedly, those aren't exactly unbiased sources. But still, he's trying, I guess. Galorus of Aspia, that dude. One of the most distinguished members of the Grey Circle's High Council and advisor to the Grey Mage. The spellcaster Gnorus is a man versed in nearly every magical discipline. His speciality, however, lies in the magical art of gating. It has been rumoured that Gnorus may have learned the secrets of Kilroyd's cipher and that he has mastered the art of unlocking and travelling through Shadow Pass. Well, that would explain how he keeps getting around all over the place. Grimoth of the Isles. The legends that tell of the adventures and exploits of the warrior mage Grimoth are both colourful and numerous. Known to many as Grimoth of the Isles or Grimoth of the Crowns, the adventuring hero spent much of his time exploring the Lock Crowns of Barrow Lock. Grimoth, having married the daughter of one of Tysus' fanes, set up residence in the ruined keep on the southern shores of Silver Crown Isle. He spent a large portion of his vast wealth restoring the fortress to his original grandeur. During one of his adventures, Grimoth is said to have acquired an Oxian artefact, a bone and iron pendant that became known as Grimoth's Bane. Alright, that, that's, that sounds ominous. The pendant which granted the hero almost supernatural combat ability, is believed to have exerted over him a dark, insidious influence. Well, it is from Ol- Ol- Ox, yes, the, the Neville realm of bad stuff, and the great demon lord himself. So, if something's from there, it's probably bad news. As Demoth fell deeper into the control of his prized pendant, his family, his household and his closest friends and allies are said to have deserted him. Alone, he spent his days locked up in his grand keep. Grimoth reportedly leapt to his death from the keep's battlements. Gloomsulker, a malevolent abomination from the deep recesses of the Levinus. Gloom sulkers are legendary, are lesser demons that seek out desolate, remote places where they lie in wait for an unsuspecting victim. These grey skinned, humanoid creatures almost always have a pair of thick, leathery wings and a leathery, spiked tail with which, which they can effectively employ as a weapon. Though speechless in any normal sense, gloomsalkers are known to emit all manner of shrieks and snarls when attacking their prey. The mouths of these demons, nearly four times the size of a human mouth, are filled with long, curved fangs, and their fingers are tipped with curved, black, stone-hard claws. Gloomsalkers will often lurk unseen in a place for a lengthy period of time before making a move against its chosen victims. These vile creatures can only be damaged by magic 
or magical weapons. It is believed that killing a gloom soaker can cause the demon's disembodied spirit to linger for a time over the area in which it was slain, adversely affecting any living soul in its immediate vicinity. And that is something we saw happen. But it cleared up fairly quickly. Alright, Glowing Goblin. Well, we encountered that guy. This strange creature who has earned his name from the lurid golden glow that animates from his equally golden skin has long been the subject of many legends throughout the North Broadlands. Most accounts feature the sinister goblin as a master thief who steals valuable treasures and hoards them away in his secret lair. He most often appears in large cities. Others believe that the glowing goblin is an agent in the employ of some greater and far more sinister figure. The few times that evil adventurers or city guardsmen have caught up with the foul creature have ended with the goblin escaping, often with the slaying one or more of his pursuers. The amount of venture tallies claims to have defeated the glowing goblin in the city of Twithick more than 20 years ago. Tallies records that the goblin's body vanished after it was slain. In its place he found three strange silver coins, each bearing an engraving of a snarling goblin's head. Tally's account has led to widespread speculation. The goblin is not a creature of this world. Canal Snake These grayscale snakes possess an extremely toxic venom and although they are not normally aggressive, they will fight to the death to defend what they consider their lair. They have been known to reach lengths of six feet. We probably fought one of them somewhere, maybe the mossy hillside outside Talanus. Goblin Bomb. These crude and sedgy devices are employed by goblins to cruelly wreak havoc among their foes. Try your best not to get hit by one. Goblin fence. A goblin fence is the term used to describe a goblin of any variety who serves as a liaison of sorts between humans and goblins, or even less desirable creatures such as trolls and ogres. While trading or dealing with goblins, or trolls and ogres for that matter, is outlawed throughout the entirety of the North Broadlands, the practice does go on, quite secretly. Goblin fences are frequently used by both humans and goblins in the exchange of goods often stolen and services often illicit that would otherwise prove unobtainable by either group. Yeah, may- maybe once we can sort some sort of once we can have another gathering of blades, they'll just be legitimate traders who are maybe, you know, who maybe try to swindle people a bit. Goblin Hollow. Goblin Hollow is the name given to a broad swath of forest on the western edge of the southern end of, Sa- of the Sand Split. The forest, 
once home to a large number of goblins, who dwelt in the countless caverns that could be found throughout the woods, is now believed to be mostly free of its former sinister inhabitants. Still, tra- still, travelling through the Goblin Hollow without the escort of an armed company, unless you happen to be an adventurer of some renown and ability, is not recommended. Goblin Totem These small, flat, square pieces of wood usually bear the engraving of a wild creature or weapon on one of their sides. Goblin Totems are the components that unlock the power of a Goblin Totem Block. Goblin Totems and Goblin Totem Blocks are quite aware of these days. But Zoop is lucky enough to find one. Goblin Totem Block These small blocks of wood, usually no longer than about a foot, will bear a number, a certain number of square impressions on one of their engraved sides. If all of the t- goblin totems impressions are filled with goblin totems, the power contained within a block will be bestowed upon its possessor, and it was. The power that the block bestows upon its bearer depends upon which totems have been set into the impressions. Okay, that's enough for now. The next episode, next, the next entry in the next episode will be the Goblin Claw Inn. Lots of stuff about goblins, which makes sense because goblins have been pretty the most frequent adversary for pretty much everyone for ages. You know, other than that time of peace after the gathering of blades every there's pe- people have been fighting goblins for well always anyway so until next until next time farewell fellow adventurers you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.